I'm, uh, I'm hoping I can do this without losing my voice. Um, and if I do lose my voice, well, then it's a bonus for you all. You get a few, few, <laughs> a few minutes off to yourself. Um, I was thinking about when Josh was talking about, you know, being able to put stuff in the chat that um, I, I might need healing for that because I remember as a kid writing a note in church and passing it to my friend and feeling someone's finger digging into my shoulder um, and then um, a, a hot whisper in my ear from some adult who said that was inappropriate and we shouldn't be doing that. So um, uh, if you've ever had that situation happen to you, um, chatting during service um, while we're in Zoom is totally legal and no one's gonna you know, pinch your neck and uh, whisper hot messages into your ear. So um, enjoy. We, um, we'd like to introduce a new element for our Sunday mornings together, um, at least for our Zoom gatherings uh, so far. And what we're hoping is that it will draw more of your voices out, that we'll hear more of you. Uh, we haven't nailed a name for this section, but I like the idea that it's a bit of a giveaway takeaway. Um, each of our experiences in life are rich in learning, uh, in growing and in healing. And when we share our experiences, we can add to someone else's learning, growing and healing. Um, what we wanna do is propose um, each Sunday, like a question or two that will be introduced and then we will open it up for you all to answer the questions. Um, if you're speaking, Imagine you're sharing a gift with the rest of us. That's you giving away. And if you are listening, uh, find the bit of what's being shared that you can learn from or be encouraged by and take that with you into the week. So this morning, we're going to do uh, just that. Um, and we're going to use it as a bit of a year in review. So here are the two questions. Josh is gonna put them up on the screen and I'm just going to, um, um, first of all, read them for you. So name one thing you are genuinely grateful for from this last year. And what is one thing, big or small, that you accomplished that brought you joy or relief? So just so you have a couple of minutes to consider your answers, I'll share my response to these answers on two fronts, um, from a community leader perspective, and then also as a personal, from a personal perspective. So I'm, I'm glad that we made it through another year. Um, no small thing, because there have been a lot of stops and starts and challenges with nearly every single thing the steering team and staff have tried to do. And as a team, we have been very grateful for your patience, for your understanding, as we have navigated restrictions, vaccinations, masks, locations, weather, and other and sundry ridiculousness. So on a personal front, what I am most grateful for is the arrival of our grandson, Felix, at the beginning of July, uh, that we had uh, a little window of time 
to go there to visit and that they were able to come here for three weeks in the summer was just the most lovely thing to have happened for Brad and I in quite some time. The accomplishment that brings me joy, particularly within this community, is that we managed to become an even more inclusive and affirming church. Honestly, you all moved me in how you were willing to wrestle with old paradigms, hash things over, consider others' thoughts, and ultimately to make more room at the table. I am extremely proud and grateful for this amazing community. The personal accomplishment I'm most proud of is that I've managed to stay in touch in significant ways with my friends through this year. I really wanted to, to be creative in how I worked around restrictions, distances, and even just not having much freedom to just go for a cup of coffee. And I feel a deep joy that those relationships are still intact and even flourishing. So it's your turn. I think the jarring um, adjustment to what the last two years have afforded us in the amount of time and space to make decisions and things like that uh, has made some major, major adjustments for a lot of us. And, um, and I hope for most um, that they're for the good, that um, it's really an improvement. It's something you can be grateful for. And, uh, and maybe some of these choices are even, uh, you know, accomplishments, not just a choice, but an accomplishment like Greg. Um, I'm gonna pass it on. Thanks for sharing everyone. I'm gonna pass it on to, uh, to the Mitchinsons and they're gonna lead us in communion. Sorry, I couldn't find the mouse. I don't know what happened. Okay, yeah, over to you. So here we go. Uh, the first part of this communion uh, is actually about the incredible creativity of God. Um, and as we are BC residents, we know how beautiful creation can be. So that's the focus for this first minute here. At the start of this new year, we continue to be amazed by your creation, your heavens with the multitude of stars in the vastness of space, the secrets found in the depths of your oceans, the majesty of your tallest mountaintops and the roar of your waterfalls, the splendor of your desert in bloom after a rainfall and the vast expanse of the African savannah. You have set your glory above all the heavens and yet still care for us. You gave us responsibility for your creation, giving us the power over, over the works of your hands. You shaped us in your image and filled our world with your creations. The sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the seas. We lift up our hearts and our hands in praise and thanksgiving for your creation. This season uh, of Advent and Christmas has really been a big focus on the incarnation. Um, you know, the God that formed all of those things that Karen was reading about, uh, who was born as a baby and became and lived as a man. 
that Jesus was always fully human and fully divine and uh, all the mystery that, that that brings with it. So we're going to move from the um, pictures of the incredible creativity and divinity of Jesus to the humanity of Jesus um, and the things that he asked us to do as we gather together in community to share uh, bread and wine um, or food and drink as a community in, in, in memory. So uh, I've borrowed from a few different uh, liturgies. And uh, so we just have a, a couple of prayers. And if you make sure you have your bread and wine or equivalent with you, um, we'll move on. Uh, the table of bread and wine is now to be made ready. So come to this table, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more, and you who have been here often, and you who have not been for a while. You have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed. Come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and wine to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing of this bread so that we may know your touch in all bread and all matter. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves, a single holy living sacrifice. Jesus, who in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. So we'll start with the, with the bread. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given to you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. We are the people of Christ. We are loved by God. Look bravely into the future and see the promise of the new year. See the abundance of God's gifts in the world. Feel the presence of God in the world with you and go forward in God's strength, love and grace. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Um, we're going on to the sermon now, so I'll pray for uh, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Mm -hmm. um, Father, thank you for Sarah. Thank you for who she is to us in our uh, church community um, and beyond. And Father, I pray that 
um, as she shares with us the things that you've laid on her heart today, you'll just breathe your life into each word and show us, Father, um, what it is that we can learn and know and understand um, about you more. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, I don't know if you have the ability to uh, have two slides next to each other. I um, I can do it so that I can see. Oh, just throw my phone on the floor. Um, I can, I can do it so that I can see the speaker, and I can also see the slides that are being uh, projected. So Josh is showing the slides. So hopefully you can do it so that you can slide those two things next to each other, so you can see both. If not, then just enjoy the slides and just listen to me. That'll be uh, much nicer looking. This is next to my house um, and uh, it's beautiful. Although don't go there right now because the kids in our street have made that into a treacherous slide that is just fully ice. So um, that's before it became ice. So happy new year, everybody. We are one day in, so far so good. Um, as we head into the new year, I wonder how you're feeling. I would love to look you in the eye today and ask you that question directly. It's a little tricky online. I can only see myself and the slide right now. Um, but imagine that we are face to face and I'm asking, how are you feeling heading into this year? Are you feeling confident? Do you have an overall hopefulness, an overall pessimism? Are you nervously holding your breath and hoping that this year doesn't bring any more drama? Are you focused and driven? You've got your list of goals that you're working towards. Or are you just uh, taking each day as it comes? Maybe you could throw an emoji onto the screen if you know how to do that or into the chat. Just something that sums it up for you. Because 2021 was a lot. I am not gonna list it all because I think we should just move on. But still, there's a lot that we are actually still dealing with that's hanging over from all of that. And I like to hope that we are actually in the honesty business that we are not just um, pressing ahead because we are more than conquerors and all that other pseudo-Christian crap, um, all that motivational speaker hype. Oh, I said oh, crap. Anyway, it's important that we acknowledge where we are and we are real with ourselves and with the one who loves us most. And then we lean into them through all of it. I promise I will get to hope eventually in this message, but if hope isn't built on reality, then it is built on sand. If hope isn't rooted in acceptance, then it really isn't hope. It's just wishful thinking. So where do you fit on the scale of, okay, this, this scale over here, this is uh, decorations come down on Boxing Day and everything is tidied away. And this is don't even think about it. Everything stays up until the wise men come on January 6th. Where do you fit on that kind of sliding scale of everything's gone, everything's tidied away to don't even think about it, don't touch it. I think I'm over here somewhere in the don't touch it end, but we're about to take our tree down. So I don't know, we're sliding. Um, however, if you are this end in the boxing, the boxing day, everything's down and tidied away. I'm really sorry, but this is still Christmas. And so we are still gonna talk about the incarnation today. We are gonna talk about it because Jesus's arrival is super important. And I feel like actually I could preach on the incarnation every single time I get to, because it's so big. Nothing else works without the incarnation. So Christmas, it is. Sorry, not sorry. Um, there is a poem by Christina Rossetti called A Christmas Carol. It was published in January 1872. And since we are still squarely in the middle of the Christmas season, this is only day nine, uh, the poem said, I am uh, gonna weave this message around this poem. 
the poem says a little of how we might be feeling. And if it's not how you're feeling, then it is what I was feeling as I felt my cold feet and looked at the snow that was piled up against my office window as I started writing this message. So I am gonna read it rather than sing it, although it is a rather pretty carol. Um, I did put it on the playlist for today. So if you didn't get listen yet, uh, you can listen to it there. So here is verse one of the poem. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow, in the bleak midwinter long ago. Do you recognize the scene? If you don't recognize the scene, do you recognize the feeling? Bleak might be a way to look at everything that's been going on and what is still going on. But the thing about bleakness is that it isn't contained to midwinter. Bleakness can actually appear in any season. A feeling of bleakness can occur on a beach in midsummer. Mm. Bleak can be alone in, a cold and, in the cold and dark, or it can be surrounded by friends under party lights. Bleakness can transcend our where, our when, our what, our or who we are with. Mm. And the word bleakness jumped out at me from the readings for today. Oh, I meant to bring the book with me. But anyway, we are going to base our messages this year on a lectionary put together by a womanist theologian called Wilda, Gaff Wilda Gaffney. Um, and it's called A Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church. We've, we've cycled through the lectionary readings a few times, um, and I thought it'd be fun to take a fresh lectionary. Uh, somebody's worked out this thing of an Old Testament, a New Testament, a, um, a gospel and a, a psalm for us and kind of merged them together. And this one's very cool. Um, and the gospel reading for today, uh, she uses the word bleakness to describe a word that is often translated as darkness. There are serious underlying racist tones in calling things that are hard or difficult, dark or black. And so instead of the word darkness in this verse, Gaffney, who is a black woman, uses the word bleakness. And it really works. It actually took me by surprise as I read it. And instantly my mind went to this Christmas carol. Um, I'd never seen this word translated in this way, but um, I just want to see if it strikes you like it did me. Um, let's read it. It is uh, John 1, 1 to 5, and this is how John starts to tell us the good news in his gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, not one thing came into being that came into being. It's like a puzzle. It's like a like a word game. And um, what has come into the being in, into being in the word was life. And that light was the light of all people. The light shines in the bleakness and the bleakness did not overtake it. Oh, that last line. Mm -hmm. Does it get you in the feels like it did me? The first time I read it, I actually cried. The light shines in the bleakness and the bleakness did not overtake it but let's start at the beginning like John does. In the beginning, back in time, when everything began, or back in time at your birth, or when you started school, or when you graduated school, or when you got married, became a parent, started a new job, started retirement, or whatever have been your beginnings. It could even be back in time yesterday at the start of the new year, or the start of every year, or back when you opened your eyes this morning, or even as you take your next breath, in the beginning. There are big beginnings, medium-sized beginnings, and little beginnings, and there are lots of them. And in the beginning was the word, and we 
know his name. His name is Jesus. In the beginning, in every beginning, is Jesus. The word was with God in the beginning, and he is there in every single beginning ever since. And the word was God. Jesus reveals God to us. Oh my gosh, this is good news. I use um, a daily art journal and there are enough pages in it to do one a day for four months. And yesterday I started the first one of this year. I always leave the first page blank and I do this on purpose. It's a reminder to me that I can always go again. When I use uh, the, see the blank page, I remember there is a new beginning open up to me. I used to do this with kids when I taught in school. Every time I gave them a new exercise book, I had them leave that first page and turn over onto page two. There's a lot less pressure to make everything perfect on page two. <laughs> in the beginning, in every beginning, there is Jesus. And speaking of beginnings, the church year began in Advent as we looked forward to the birth of Jesus. It was all about him then too, even before his birth as we talked about how we could worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all, because God is love. And God is with us, and in us, and for us. And then comes Christmas, and we welcome the Christ child, born to raise the folks of earth, born to give them second birth, to misquote another count. And today we are lingering still in the message of Christmas, as we hang out here in the days between his birth and the Feast of the Wise Men that comes on January 6th. These are the blank sheet, first days of wonder. These are the days of awe at the incarnation because our God is with us. These are the days to remember that our God is with us in every beginning and will be with us in the middle and the end too. So let's read verse two of the poem. Our God, heaven cannot hold him nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, not one thing came into being that came into being. Heaven and earth were created through him. He is the first of all creation, and he goes before us. He goes before us into death, and he leads us out of it. But before we rush there, Let's just stay where we are in this moment of incarnation. He came into our bleakness. And the poem says that a stable place was enough. It was enough for where the Lord God Almighty should be born. That the creator of everything would be born in such a humble, simple place is so wonderful. I just don't have words for it. But it was time. God was sending their son into the world, into the literal or metaphorical bleak midwinter, to a simple, stable place. And the bleak, simple, stable place was enough for Jesus because he needed to be born like us. Jesus came onto the scene because it was time. Heaven couldn't hold him because he wanted to come. Galatians 4 says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent God's own son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption like children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of God's own son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Nativity scenes are a very sanitized version of the birthing process. Birth is painful, bloody, and hard work. So I've heard. 
I don't remember my own birth and I have never done it, but I've heard stories of those who have. It is painful and bloody and hard work. And while we're talking birth, congratulations, Brandon and Sharon and Josie on the birth of Ellie. Birth is painful, but it is also wonderful. I mean, nobody would do it twice if it wasn't also wonderful. And this is how God chooses to rescue us from death through a painful and bloody birth and then a painful and bloody death. In the fullness of time, God sent God's own son, born of a woman, just like us. It's been tidied up and scrubbed clean with the holy bleach and made to look like it was nothing. But to Mary, I'm sure it was very much everything in that moment. And this is the way that God saves us. And it's enough for him. Enough for him whom cherubim worship night and day, a breast full of milk and a manger full of hay. Enough for him whom angels fall down before, the ox and ass and camel which adore. Jesus, who is God, had been worshipped by angels and is now worshipped by animals in a stable and fed at the breast of Mary, his young mother, and laid in a feed trough. And it was enough for him. A simple birth, a small family, a stable, a manger full of hay. It was enough for him, even though as God of gods, he could have demanded more. He didn't because of love, because he came like us, born of a woman, born under the law, so that we might become children of God like him. The hero of this story is Jesus, who gave it all up to come for us. The hero isn't Mary, although her part is significant as the God-bearer. The hero isn't Joseph, although his courageous bucking of all the rules of society made him a worthy man. The hero isn't the shepherds, although they got to tell the story. The hero isn't the wise men who bought gifts that would supply his needs as the family fled as refugees to Egypt. None of them are the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero. He traded ultimate glory for a stable. He traded the worship of angels for his mother's arms and her gentle kiss because of love, because he loves us all. Angels and archangels may have gathered there. Cherubim and seraphim thronged the air, but only his mother in her maiden bliss worshiped the beloved with a kiss. What has come into being in the word was life. And that life was the light of all people, us too. Mary saw the light in Jesus that day. Mary and Joseph saw the light that had come to save them, come to save all of us. He stepped into the world with us. He did it for them and he does it for us. He steps into the world with us as the light. And then that last line, the light shines in the bleakness and the bleakness did not overtake it. Where is your bleakness? What is it about? Is it a broken relationship? An injured body. I'm wriggling because my back's hurting. <laughs> Speaking of injured bodies. Um, a dashed hope. A long, hard road that you're walking. A boatload of uncertainty. I don't know. If you don't have any bleakness, fantastic. Enjoy this moment. It'll be along soon. Yeah. But if you do, yeah. as I suspect you might, then this is the promise of John 1 for you. The light, Jesus, shines in the bleakness and the bleakness did not overtake it. 
the bleakness does not overtake him. He is with us in it. May his light shine here too. The psalmist says, my heart and felt, my, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. He's the hero of this whole thing. So back to the poem, Christina Rossetti started it by describing the world situation into which the word and light came. The world of cold bleakness into which the savior Jesus was born. Then she talked about his birth, his mother and the worship surrounding him at his birth. And now just, this is the last verse of the poem coming up. She moves on to ask herself and us this question. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him, give my heart. So what do I have to offer? What do you have to offer? I mean, just that, right? Only me. I can't bring anyone else's gifts. I can't give the work of anyone else. I can't give him a lamb because that's shepherd's work. I can't give him gold that belongs to kings. What can I give him? Just me. What can you give him? just you, and that is plenty. I read this on New Year's Eve, and it was written by somebody called Donna Ashworth, and she said this, on the stroke of midnight tonight, you can resolve to be better, if you like, to be fitter, to be healthier, to work harder. On the stroke of midnight tonight, you can resolve to become a whole new you, if you so choose. Or you can take a moment to acknowledge what you already are, all that you already are, because it's a lot. You're a lot and you deserve to be seen. On the stroke of midnight tonight, perhaps you could congratulate yourself for coping, for breaking again and for rebuilding again, for catching the stones life has thrown at you and using them to build your castle that little bit higher. You have endured, my friend, and I don't see the need to resolve to become a whole new you when you are already so very much indeed. Happy New Year. You made it. So happy new year, everyone. You made it. You are enough because you were made that way. And because God sent God's own son into the world, we are children and heirs, and that is plenty. This year, let's keep Jesus the hero. Let's keep him as our focus. Jesus is the hero of the story. In all of our beginnings, middles and endings, however bleak the moments might seem, the bleakness cannot ever overtake him. Galatians says, because you are children, God has sent the spirit of God's own son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. And this is great news. So as we head into 2022, however bleak it is, however bleak it gets, you are never alone. Because the light shines in the bleakness and the bleakness did not overtake it. We are going to pray together. If you have a candle, I would love for you to get it and light it. And we will pray as we look at the flame. I'll just give you a minute to figure that out. Grab a candle, light that thing, just so that you can see the flame. There it is. Thank you. So Jesus, we light the candle as a reminder of your presence with us. You fill all things with your presence, with fullness and hope.
God, you are always coming into the world. We mark the first coming in Advent and now in this Christmas season and the coming year, we are grateful for your love and that you are always with us. You are always coming, God, in every beginning, in all of our middles and in all of our endings. We will walk with you through this year, Jesus, following your life on earth from your birth to your death and resurrection at Easter. In each story, show us how you are the hero. In the stories of our lives, apart and together in community, would you be the hero too? You know what it is to be human. You know what it is to live like we do. And we ask that you fill us with the light that we need for every day, for all of our beginnings, our middles and our endings. And when days are bleak, as they may be, remind us that you are the light and prompt us to light a candle to remember that it's true. So we bring you our bleak situations right now. Just take a minute and name whatever it is. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything that came into being through the word and without the word, not one thing came into being that came into being. What has come into being in the word was life and that life was the light for all people. The light shines in the bleakness and the bleakness did not overtake it and will not overtake it ever. Amen. Amen.